Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, believe it by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. All right, everybody, welcome to Great Art Blitz 327. Oscar Lopez in the house here. We are going to have a great packed show today. We're going to be talking IWFA, Icon Women's Football Association, with uh, CEO Terrence Haywood in the first hour. Then we're going to jump, jump into the NFL news and notes in the second hour with Nate Ward, ex-league insider, and uh, Mackenzie Brooks. And we're going to be talking pretty much uh, Netflix documentary for um, – Colin Kaepernick. We got some social distancing guidelines for the 2020 season in the NFL. We also have college flag football that is also getting a buzz in Canada. So we're going to kind of revisit that as the NAIA in the States has literally decided that they were going to do college flag football. And now Canada on the U sport announced that they were, their intention is also to go that route as well. Uh, hopefully everybody's having a great uh, month in terms of Pride Month. Um, Pride Month obviously commemorates the Stonewall Riots, which occurred in June 1969. And as a, as a result, many Pride events are held during this month. Um, so to recognize impact that the LGBTQ plus community have uh, impacted in the world. So if you're on social media, of course, there's different ways you can do it. You can put a banner on with Pride colors. You can uh, you know post out some sort of relevant uh, story that if that you've uh, basically brought up or have researched. And then ultimately you got family members or, you know, in our case, we got a lot of uh, players in women's tackle football. So you can either post something relevant about that and impactful. Um, so we're going to be pretty much excited right now, trying to get uh, our next level of awareness this month and last month was awesome. Um, and like, like I, I just want to reiterate Thanks to uh, Adrian Smith, uh, Daniel Harvey, and Sherry Wawa for coming in on 324-325, and that literally bumped us up uh, very, very awesome on Spotify and on iHeart, so to bring attention to women's American football. The biggest thing that can happen will be tomorrow, so if you don't know about it, that means you weren't going to the hub. <laughs> you need to go to the hub, so you need to be at the hub at facebook.com forward slash Gridiron Beauties. You can go to Twitter at Gridiron Beauty. Uh, so tomorrow... It is the uh, premiere of the probably the elite franchises in women's tackle football in the world, which is Boston Renegades. Boston football uh, has been a staple and a really awesome franchise uh, from the militia all the way down now to the Renegades. And ESPN will be featuring uh, the documentary Born to Play, and it will be 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. So if you're overseas, um, just kind of go through and Google, you know, what time it's going to be on. Uh, for Australia, for example, it's probably going to be on a Monday. Uh, I mean, a Monday. It's probably going to be like on a Thursday morning or so instead of a Wednesday. Uh, so if you're in Europe, the same thing happens. 
So I want to really invite everybody to not to miss this documentary. It's really impactful. It's about the 2018 championship season uh, for the Boston Renegades. Uh, it is their clashes against the Pittsburgh Passion, the DC Divas, and ultimately against the LA Warriors. So don't miss it. If you don't know where to go, go to the Boston Renegades Facebook page. You can also go to uh, at Go Renegades on Twitter, uh, so, or you can go officially to the WFA uh, ProFootball.com website. So it's really, really awesome. The history in Boston has been outstanding. Uh, a lot of uh, Hall of Famers probably in that organization over time. A lot of impactful. Uh, the ownership there for a long, long time was also very impactful to the success of the team. Now we have uh, Molly Goodwin who's taken over with a, a bunch of other people that are helping spear this um, franchise forward. It is probably one of the most recognizable franchises in women's football right next to maybe the New York Sharks in terms of allure. Uh, but in terms of championship pedigree, in terms of, of like success, and ultimately you know, uh, having championship runs, uh, Boston Renegades up there really with like New England Patriots style of football. So they, year in, year out, uh, you can remember the clashes between them and Chicago Force, clashes between them and Pittsburgh Passion, clashes between them, New York Sharks, uh, the clashes between them and obviously the D.C. Divas, which is probably the most, uh, uh, in terms of rivalries, it is in history of women's football. I think the D.C.-Boston rivalry is really impactful um, in terms of how many players have played into the series and how many players have been impacted by the series, both D.C. and Boston, really a, I, w- I want to say, the elite franchises, if you're going to talk historical sense, they are the ones that would put women's football on the map. The programs have always been outstanding. Uh, a lot of outstanding players. Um, you know, Callie Brenson came from the D.C. Divas, and she's in, obviously over in, uh, in um, with the Cleveland Browns. Also, Jennifer King who now is with the Washington Redskins, but also came through the DC Divas, uh, Adrian Smith, Boston. Um, so there's, there's a lot of players in both organizations, but ultimately in Boston, a lot of championships that have come their way, and they have set the, set the tone basically for women's football uh, right next to, you know, if you want to compare them to the Utah Falcons or the Texas Elite Spartans, in a sense, for the WNFC, uh, but overall, they have the, been the longer-tenured franchise, and they have proven that they they can put a lot of wins up and ultimately finish the job. So congratulations to Boston there and their uh, ch- championship runs and things like that. So don't miss Born to Play tomorrow, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific, and that's going to be on ESPN. So if you don't have ESPN, you get the ESPN app. You need to have, a, uh, I believe, a carrier to get the ESPN app. Um, otherwise, it will be, I believe, broadcast on YouTube, so you can go probably to the ESPN YouTube channel, and it should um, go on there. Otherwise, if you got cable, it's, it should be available. So don't miss Born to Play tomorrow featuring the 2018 championship, Boston Renegades. And it's on the hub at facebook.com forward slash Gridiron Beauties. I want to thank everybody to go to the, going to the hub, sharing, posting, and making comments and doing all you got to do to bring awareness to women's American football. We have the best network on the planet for a reason because we have a lot of passionate uh, people that believe in spreading the awareness of the sport to a higher level of visibility, and that's what we do. That is our mission. That is what we try to do, 
and at the hub you get the latest information that's happening in sport we break it down into a espn fox sports type of format which is very very pro-like and thank you to all our network partners that work with us internationally whether it be in europe australia um, north america south america guam wherever you're at we really really appreciate it bringing attention to women's sports not just in the states but internationally so um hopefully we'll get a season in we do have some leagues now at at one point we didn't think we were going to have any women's tackle football and now you know uh, utah girls football league kicked off a little series there and they had their playoffs this past weekend on june 27th we'll get results from uh, chris sacco and then uh, as soon as they're up we will post them on our facebook page but you can go to the utah girls football league uh, facebook page and you can get all the action that happened on june 27th everything that happened on the weekend in terms of Division One varsity, Division Two varsity, junior uh, level, and in- including the elementary stage of things. So if you haven't gone to the hub, like I said, go there now. You got all the articles from the NFL relevant to that, anything that happened in the women's game as well, and um, just everything that, that's happening. So I really, really want to thank everybody. I know I've mentioned it pr- plenty of times, but you guys are making a big difference. So subscribing to us, and making an impact on Spotify and iHeart is going to be huge. Our goal is to be one of the top 100 podcasts in terms of those two platforms. It's, if we get to 100, that would be amazing. Uh, getting to 50 would be our goal. To get to 50 of the top podcasts on the planet, you need to have a, a lot of bunch of subscribers. So, you know, recognize your friends. Share our podcast with your friends. We're doing it on group boards, thanks to Burmese uh, hometown uh, group and everything, all the other groups as well. So appreciate all that, but make sure you're sharing and subscribing to our podcast. That makes a big difference. And I'll ultimately thank you to Zazzle for supporting us. Zazzle has been our sponsor for eight years running. They truly believe in supporting women's sports and we could not be on cast or doing the podcast for so long, over 300 episodes without Zazzle.com. Um, so if you guys haven't gone to our no joke football shop and go there, Zazzle.com for slash uh, gridiron beauties, check out the no joke football shop, Get his, uh, whatever you want to get, T-shirt, uh, leggings, or any other stuff. And if you don't find anything in our shop, no big deal. Zazzle has a thousand things that you can buy there as well. You can use daily codes and save big as well. Um, so go to Zazzle.com for Sesquare and Beauties and get some of the gear. Um, and speaking of gear, we have uh, sponsoring and we're actually promoting right this this uh, couple, week two, week three, then this month. Uh, that's going to be uh, Alicia Patsky or Guadalupe de America's uh, penis. Uh, she is going to be on our um, Instagram No Joke Football wall page, and on, and then we got to give a shout out to Lexi DeMeo as well for the Sin City Trojans winning their Week Two independent schedule, 56 to zero against the Rio Grande Heat. So shout out to her as well, and all the athletes that uh, believe in our branding and bringing awareness to the sport. So you can go to the IG page at No Joke Football Brand and check out all the uh, talented athletes that we are spotlighting. On top of that, you can go to IG on Gridiron Beauties as well, and you can check out the talented Melissa Zandu of the uh, French champion uh, Molasses, which she's on the wall as well. All right, so you guys, we're going to go into the, uh, the huddle. Then we'll have Mackenzie Brooks, Nate Ward in about an hour, and then we're going to be talking NFL news. We're also going to be talking women's uh, news and notes at the bottom of the hour before we uh, sign off. So uh, let's go into the huddle at this point, and we're going to bring in um, – Terrence Haywood from the Icon Women's Football Association. So let's go ahead and with the promo here. The worst. Expect greatness. Expect greatness. 
Terrence Haywood of the Icon Women's Football Association of Texas. Terrence, how's it going today? Hey, Oscar, how are you doing? Good, I'm doing great. Uh, how are we doing this week? Man, we're doing pretty good, doing pretty good. Just staying busy, trying to deal with everything that's going on out here. Terrence, uh, I want to bring you on because you guys had uh, two weeks of good football, um, spotlighted, and obviously we have other leagues that have uh, also been doing football. Um, including Utah Girls Football League. But ultimately, um, decision to play and then obviously COVID-19 guidelines and restrictions. And was it the fact that Texas opened up at this point and kind of afforded you guys to really uh, put some measures in place, in other words, to to play a season? That contributed, yes. Uh, Texas opening up, and so what we as an organization decided to do you know, first thing first, we reached out to the team and the owners to see who was who was wanting to play. When we saw we had enough teams and organizations that were still wanting to play, you know, and we followed the guidelines that the governor put in place for the youth football association and the and the younger and, and the other uh, sports organization within the state of Texas. So we just decided to follow those guidelines, and uh, you know, that way, open it up slowly like them follow the, the governor's guidelines, and, hey, try to make an opportunity for the ladies to be able to play ball. We moved our season back, started it. We, we usually start earlier, but we start later than most other leagues, so we was able to just push back further and then get it started. Now, Terrence, um, you have just a couple of teams, right? Is, is it all the all the teams committed to the season, or was it just a select few? Uh, we have a total of six teams. Right now, that's what we have. We have the uh, the Texas Legacy, the Austin Legends, the River City Warriors, the Harlingen Hive, the uh, Costa Bend Legion, and the Corpus Christi Lady Sharks. So all those teams, uh, so, ownership-wise, they 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 were fine with your mandates in terms of the guidelines yes, uh, on games, yes, right? Exactly, yes, because, you know, we follow the mandates where uh, still, you know, fans coming to the game, social distancing, we uh recommending fans to wear masks. Um, you know, the, the ladies themselves within the team, they do an excellent job as far as, you know, uh, during practice times and all that, if they feel any type of symptoms, isolate themselves off, uh, get tested to make sure, <clears throat> just in case if you were exposed to someone with COVID and then, doing all the necessary precautions to make sure everybody stays safe. Any cases within the league at this point that you can disclose mm-hmm. or are we, it's been none at this point? Uh, it's been close, you know, where people have been tested, but uh, so far everybody has been doing okay. All right. Well, it's good to hear that then. Um, and what do you think of um, at this point in general, like the sport, a lot of the, a lot of the leagues just, you know, the big leagues, decided, hey, we're just going to take the year off at this point and, you know, regroup for 2021. 
you decided, obviously, because of the state opening, it makes it more comforting because I think the the larger leagues have such a nat- nationwide appeal that not every state opens. So I think that's more of a conflict or an issue, right? Well, yeah, I mean, but, yeah, we were with the state open, but uh, if the ladies themselves didn't want to and the owners didn't want to go through with it, we would have shut down our season too. So, but, yeah, the state opening uh, helped with that a lot as far as help with making the decision, and they all were good to go and wanted to go forward. And so we just, hey, if they, if they want to play and we have an opportunity to make it available for the ladies to, to showcase their talent, then we're going to try to make that happen. All right. Terrence, um, what what is the goal for you guys after this season? Is it uh, we talked about expansion, but is it is it a matter of not having uh, quick expansion, or are we just adding another two or three teams at this point based on what happens here in 2020, or are you just wait and see like everybody else in terms of what's going to happen with the virus? Yeah, Oscar, we're gonna have to wait and see. Right now, my goal is a short term goal: try to make it through this season if we can. With, with everything that's going on. Uh, then we'll sit back and assess. We, of course, we have to make sure see what's going on with the with the virus and with the rest of the world and everything, and then we'll put things in place at that point. All right, Terrence, so it's, what, it's uh, what is the top teams uh, the fans can dive into? Of course, um, you have certain teams that are kind of staple in your league, like the Austin Ravens from the Premier League. But in the current uh, two weeks here, uh, the Legion has started to pick up steam. Um, you have other teams that are obviously not at, at that same level. So, you know, can you di- give us a little rundown of week one and two in terms of what the uh, Icon women's football season is going in right now? Uh, yeah. As you look at the teams, of course, uh, <clears throat> the the Ravens, of course, like I said, they're a staple team. They're, they're, they're plenty strong. Uh, the legacy, uh, once again, Coach Gibby has regrouped, uh, reloaded in a sense, and they look they look they look very good. Uh, I expect the Hive hasn't put their first game out yet, but they also have some talented ladies down there, like always, and they will be a strong team to to play against. As you said, the Legion, man, they did a great job of recruiting, and they mm-hmm. come out the box this year <laughs> with a strong, with a new sense, a new purpose, and. and and a, and a new way of playing. Hey, I'm, I'm excited to see that. The Corpus Christi Lady Sharks, they're getting they're getting started. They're slow. They were one. They were a good team. They finished like in the middle of the pack last year. They didn't make the playoffs, but uh, they started off this year. They're starting off a little slow. They got a lot of new players playing, but they're they're like they're trying to absorb and learn. So it's going to be a, a tough year, but it's going to be one of those learning years where they got to get their feet wet for most of them. Uh, the and, last time, the last time, the last time we talked, I think it was uh, Texas Legacy abandoning IWFA, IWFA for WFA, if I'm correct, right? Uh, that's what the rumors were. You know, I don't know if that's where they were going. That's what it looked like they were going. I don't know, but at the end of the day, uh, you know, Gibby's been a legend in the eight man game, eight woman game. Sure. And so that's where, you know, they wanted to play. They wanted to come back and play here. So it was cool. Did it shock you to the return? Or was it just the fact that, uh, you know, th- this is their staple type of, uh, I guess, stage? And why would you change that if you've been so successful for so long? You know what I mean? Man, uh, people, once you 
done something for a while, sometimes you want to try something different. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It didn't shock me. You know, you got to remember, I have a I have a good relationship with Gibby. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, so at the end of the day, like we do with any team, we, we don't own a team as a league. So anybody want to bring their team in and we accept them as a team, we will accept them. If they want to leave and go to another league, that's their that's their right. They can do that. So we never we never question what they do in that sense. Terrence, you got a brand new format for the 2020. I see you got uh, Janelle doing interviews on a weekly basis with some of the players. A uh, little format on your Facebook page and your ID pages. So, are we diving into more of the of the players themselves instead of just having sort of a podcast type of overview at this point, or is that something you guys are going to be kind of driving yourselves to? Yes, because, uh, you know, as you see, a lot of times you see uh, myself and a couple of my partners, we do the over, you know, the show basically doing a recap and prediction. Mm-hmm. But what Janelle brings to the team, uh, which is a great acquisition to our team, is that she brings that 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 personality that plus knowledge, because Janelle at one point was an owner of a <clears throat> team in our league. And she's also been playing. She's also a player. They played for a long time. So she has depth and she has knowledge. So she just she was just a perfect fit to uh, do the interviews and get, you know, get some of the ladies a spotlight out there so people can get to know them not only as a player but as a personal uh, personal life. So we're trying to step up our social media presence. Now, I know you've always had talented players in each team, so this is really a nice thing for – you know, like myself asking for somebody to inter- interview, right? But it's really nice for the league itself to recognize certain individuals and give them some sort of a time or a, a little bit of a spotlight, and especially for those that are obviously elevating their game on season to season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what we do. That gives them some type of spotlight. And and so the ladies, the people are taking on to it. They seem to enjoy it. Janelle's getting great feedback, so we're we're excited about that part. All right, let's talk about some of these beasts that we're putting together here. You have some some top players in your league from different uh, teams, but you, can you name a couple that we should be watching out for in terms of the next coming weeks and and how they're going to impact your league in terms of you know the standings and some of their teams and how they're going to impact the teams and for wins. Oh man, you put me on the spot, Oscar. Uh... <laughs> I, I don't. I don't need you to name out twenty, but if you can name out two or three that we just gotta watch for, that would be nice. Uh, I mean, you have some that you already know, like Leilani Lopez. Uh, over, uh, of course, on the legacy side, you got Megan, Megan, of course, and uh, Amanda and Chris Daniels. Uh, new, uh, new addition to the Legion. Uh, Yelly Reels. He was working around the quarterback. You have Chris Guzman, who's his starting quarterback down there. They have, and each one of them, but that's a good team to watch. That that quarterback situation down there is going to be great uh, to watch and see how it develops. Uh, of course, Bernice Fonseca down in the hive is always great. And so those are key, key players on the River City Warriors. I, I London is the coach of that team. And I'm just getting to know the ladies, so I don't know all their names, but they have a couple of uh, Amy, Amy Meyer, Amy, I think her last name is Myers. I'm sorry. She's their quarterback. She used to play with the Legacy. 
Very good. Very good. And they have a couple of tandem wide receivers out there that they're going to be working with. I have high hopes for the, the River City Warriors. Don't don't judge those scores like you see them. They're just getting their feet wet. Uh, Terrence, uh, Mer- Mitchell Mortaza re- decided to rebrand. A lot of your players uh, played in his Legends Football League, you know, over in Austin. And now it's a rebrand. Mm-hmm. The uniforms sort of look like the Icon Women's Football Association uniforms in a lot of ways with some modifications. So um, do you think the realization for him was this is a, a brand new era? It's just got to change. He's got to go to a different mentality at this point. Oscar, I have no idea. We just try to do what we do. We have a little drip, as they say. And you know what? Maybe he liked it. And, hey, we're not mad. Miss, do what you got to do. I'm bringing you know, it up because uh, you guys have set the set the bar for uh, the uniform. It's you know it's been arena style. You're not playing in an arena league and in, in, in you know in, in stadiums, but your format of a nine eight format is no different than his format. The only difference was a uniform mentality. So now, um, I don't know if because it's COVID, he got COVID and all of a sudden his mindset changed and now he's listening to the players more. I, I don't know what's going on, but the uh, X League apparently is going to be a full kitted in some aspect going to be uh, in the same format it was before with the same teams with different names. So I want to say because your players that you, the current players and some players that play in your league that kind of hone their skills are some of some of the players that fans that we cover, they're going to see those names on an X league roster at some point as well. And if it is full, full covered arena style, it looks to me like your, you know, beast from your league um, you know they're going to get really spotlighted because of the fact that they play so much outstanding football in your in your realm. Yeah, yeah. I mean that that very well may be the case, uh, but you do remember at one point he w- he went to uh, a, a uniform that was what we was using with the because you know we wear the long tights, and at one point right. they tried that, but then he went back away from that. So. I don't know. Uh, maybe he did get some input from the ladies to make the change. I don't know. I, I've never talked to Mitch. No, and I'm only make, I'm trying to get an opinion from you, babe, because he's actually changes his mentality in terms of a format. I really think, you know, we've had discussions on the podcast before. Um, you know, I think, in my point of opinion, is that we have three prominent uh, outdoor 11 leagues now that are basically – elevating the game to another level with funding and everything else that's going on in terms of the nationwide scope. And so for him, he's literally ousted at this point. So the only thing left for him is to go straight forward to an arena style full kit level, which he would own the branding at this point. He would own the market. Um, But a lot of your players play flag and and, and a lot of players play in your, um, in your league. Those players have obviously have always been on rosters in terms of legends. So, yeah, yeah, that's true. They have always been. Um, he, he very well may own that. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I know you're trying to get my opinion on that, but I really don't have much opinion. Really. He has to do what he has to do, I think, Mitch does. Because like you said, the 11-on-11s that are doing these different levels and working to get the funding and pay the ladies and everything. So Mitch has to compete more on that level while we in the IWFA We've always been in Texas, and we've always just done what we do. 
I guess maybe we don't feel that pressure that he does. I think really yeah. that's the, that the, my question is like I don't think he understands uh, his platform was really good platform if he had evolved into something, but uh, he lacked that. So now I'm I'm thinking because the the eleven leagues are doing so well in terms of support by big sponsors and and the anticipation that next season these three huge leagues are going to be uh, at another level technically. So that's great for him. Um, so for the for your league in general, competition is always you know you have yourselves maybe legends in a way because players go to play there, but the seasons don't interact with each other at, at some point. And then you know the X uh, the XFFL just finished their season as well. So are you staying on course like expanding at this point? Or are you going to just stay on course on being you know thorough with six to eight teams and just really doing the two type of seasons that you guys have been successful at? At this point, we want to get thorough with the uh, with the locking in of certain strong teams. We want the teams. Eventually, we want a, a format where it's like eight very strong teams in this league. Mm-hmm. And at that point, once you lock in eight good strong teams, then what you can do as a league now the talent in order to play in this league has to come to those teams. Now we can start building from there and getting. Uh, the talent coming into those teams, getting the, the, the ladies to start feeding in, and now you got a feeder system working. And then, so we want to keep doing what we're doing. It had, it, it's not broke, don't fix it, but we want to improve it and make it more solid. So that's the goal. Terrence, what's the in, jumping, what's the interest from flag to your league? Is it a big interest in Texas for anybody that's played flag, and all of a sudden they they kind of look, well, look, look, I can play tackle. Is there is there a big interest in the state for that to transition over to the tackle side, especially when they see it, your product on the field? It's a few ladies that in our league that play both, uh, quite a few. So uh, we've seen that happen, uh, but I'm not going to say it's just a whole lot of ladies just jumped out of flags and jumped over into our league. No, but I have seen you know some ladies are slowly transitioning that will come and try it. So hopefully they will see it more and see other ladies that do both and want to come and join. Do you have any type of recruiting uh, vision or any type of recruiting setup that you're going to be doing maybe within the scope of your of your state? Like uh, I, I talk to a lot of people where they go to the universities, kind of introduce the teams and the leagues, or they do some sort of, you know, just presence on the college uh, campuses and things like that. Have you guys maybe thought about doing that in, in, in that sense for recruitment purposes? As a league, we haven't done that as much, but we know, like, our individual team owners, like the team in the Valley, they really go after the uh, ladies that are on the college. A couple of ladies that go to college down there have joined the teams down there also. But, you know, in our league, each team is individually owned. So I know branding is what we need to stick to as far as the league on a more broader scope. Each team is more recruiting ladies individually, so – that is a good idea. They do, they do need to go to the colleges, but a lot of the, most of the recruiting that comes within this league is within the ladies themselves, like you said, at flag football tournaments and going to those schools and all that to get players. But that's more on the owners than what we do. Terrence, uh, having college flag football, as it was announced uh, a while back here, the NAIA, um, is that something that is going to be big in Texas, you think, at this point in your eyes? Is there enough colleges you think there, that will have, like, college flags where now you can 
recruit in that higher level of, of success or something like that? Mm, I I think it will be okay. I'm not 100% sold that it will. Uh, I think flag players usually a flag, and for the most part, you know, contact is contact. So I, I don't know. I, I just got to I'm, – I'm, my verdict is out for me on that. I got to wait and see. Do you think it's a great thing? Uh, I know Canada is going to try to introduce that into the university level. Um, a lot of the schools across the country I'm, at some point I think are going to probably devote it. Do you think that the uniform cost is preventing the, the full-blown college? Because you got men's college football, right, and that's a cost. So if the university covers most of that, it's great. But it seems like in women's sports, a lot of the funding gets to the point where, like, okay, well, we don't have enough for, for to do that. So I, I think in some senses flag is an option where maybe it'll get introdu- introduced to a tackle format at some point, maybe on a regional type of scope. So what do you mean by the – I'm going to ask you the question. Uniform cost, and what are you saying? Uh, is that being a, a stoppage as far as – I'm not sure what you're yeah, asking. Yeah, I'm just saying there. some administrators probably not, are not as devoted to, to put in the funds to have, like, you know, a, a women's tackle football league to a to a men's college football team, in other words, for the college women, and it's the only sport, literally in college, that doesn't have a mirrored, you know, type of image. You got basketball, boys and women. You got you know other sports, lacrosse, men and men and girls. You know what I mean? So it's like women's tackle football is the only one that doesn't have the, you know, the commitment, I guess, for funding to put it on the map, even oh, yeah. on a regional scale. Yeah, that's gonna. Uh, what you're saying is absolutely true. The problem I think it's going to be there is, what, is, you know, when it comes to universities and sports, let's be 100% real. Uh, the the football dollars fund most of the other sports. Am I right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think the problem that's going to come into play there is that when trying to put the women's football on the field, uh, a lot of colleges administrators may look at it as like, oh, we're adding another sport. Is it going to be able to sustain itself with the fans and the money made from that sport, or is it going to be another sport that we put on the field that the football over here has to make money for it to cover? So the right. key thing is that it's, can they market it enough to where it can make it and sustain itself without taking extra funds from the from the football team where where they generate most of their money from the football teams anyway. Do you, so you feel anywhere like in your in your you feel anywhere that maybe Texas is a way where they're gonna, they would start something like that or or a different state like the the southern states maybe so where they would put maybe a regional concept in it because to me it's like it has to be it probably has to come from like an Alabama or a Georgia or you know some program that obviously has an in, an influx of funding. Yes, it has to be from a. It's gonna have to be from a. Uh, one of those type of schools where you, they have a lot of extra money because let's be real, uh, we love women's football, but a lot of people still don't know women play football. So when they introduce it, we don't know the turnout. And it may take a loss for a few years until people learn about it, start to come out and watch it. And so schools with the extra funding, it's not a big deal. But schools that are tight with their funding, you know, that's something they may not be able to sustain to get it launched. All right. Uh, Terrence, we have one league in 2021 that apparently right now, as we speak, has promised 
that they will pay the players. And we're looking at a salary of maybe 40 to 40 to 70, depending on the scope of things with sponsors and everything. Um, a lot of players have jumped at the opportunity because it's a pay to play. You know, they're going to get paid to play basically. Um, and so that's an exciting thing. Have you had any player in your league, uh, you know, thinking of maybe going to that WFLA scope for the next next year? There's players in our league that have signed letters of intent to play. I know that. Um, you know, like our advice to them is like, hey, I'm never going to stop anybody from pursuing their dreams and going going for it. If they're going to pay you and they and and, and you're going to play and you're going to get paid to play, hey, go follow your dream and go make your money. You know, we've been blessed to work with a lot of these ladies, and I think, you know, they pay to play. But one thing I feel that we've always been blessed with is that the ladies actually understand that we love the game of football and we care about them playing football. We have great relationships with a lot of the ladies in this league. So I'll be the first to tell them, hey, if they're going to pay you and they've offered you that money and you can, hey, go. I just hope, I just want to make sure hopefully they do what they say they're going to do. Because we both know how hard this sport is to get fans in the seats and everything. Yeah, you can get sponsors and all that, but it's still hard. It's a tough role. But if they got the funding and, and can get the ladies taken care of, fantastic. But it'll be a, a huge moment. Um, I was teasing last last week about maybe Mitchell will step up and pay the players on the on the arena side, which not much <laughs> hope there. But we we don't know. You know, it could be great. It could be a great year for women's uh, women's tackle football or women's football in general next year if we have an outdoor eleven eleven pay. And we have, you know, Mitch change his mind here and start to pay players on the arena side, which is really good, good progress for, you know, for the women in general altogether because this is where we wanted to be anyways to get some sort of payment, you know, for, for playing. So, um, Terrence, the, uh, the IWFA has always been high-caliber football on both ends of things. So um, where can fans dive in, you know, as we speak right now, obviously Facebook, IG, um, local teams, uh, is there are they able to reach out to them as well in terms of just getting information about upcoming seasons or information on the history of certain teams with good success with good pedigree good rostering all that good stuff yeah each one of our teams have their own facebook page most of our stuff is through facebook but each one of the team each one of the teams have their own facebook page with their information there where you can reach out and they usually all of them respond we have we have a great set of owners out here that are really trying to grow their teams so you can get all the information from their Facebook pages. Like I said, this, year, this season it's only six teams out there. And you'll see them as we highlight them on our IWFA page. But if you're interested and want to play, like we tell anybody, the rosters are still open. You ready to play? Come play. What are the age groups that everybody's aware of, uh, 18 or older, and probably no limit on the yes. in terms of anything over that, right, in terms of anybody who wants to yeah, try out? 18 and over. Yeah, 18 and over. That's, that's the that – Do we currently have any seniors? You got any seniors playing in the league right now currently that you're aware of? Anybody over the 40? I know in, in, in tackle football we, and the, we, on the 11th, we, there's a lot of players over 40 that still play. We do have a few that's over 40 that's still playing, for sure. Wow. Uh, and so uh, we have one that's new that's going to start this year, so I'm excited to see when she gets on the field. Uh, so we're going to, you know, like I said, a lot of ladies, like I said, 
some ladies uh, compete at a higher level, but our league is not just for the high-level athlete. Uh, if, if you want to learn a lot of these coaches and teams, if you never step foot on the football field, like Coach Gibby, he'll tell you, you come on, you never played before, no problem. We'll teach you how to play. Uh, the, the Ravens coaching staff, Kobe and Matt and all them great coaches over there, they do the same thing. Uh, Cowboy and Ray, who coaches the Legion team down there, they do a great job. Fidel has always done a great job with the Hive. These coaches will teach you how to play if you never step foot on the football field. So, and that's the key, right? The key is to get confidence, to build up somebody to to get to a level where they never knew that they were able to attain some sort of success on a physicality level, on a mental state, right? And then ultimately on a physical game day state. Um, you got to get a lot of stories. You get a lot of stories behind uh, thanking you for the opportunity to play in, in your league and for the people that obviously brought them up and gave them some success. Yeah, we get a lot of stories like that, and we got a lot of ladies that a lot of ladies that come through. For example, San Antonio is way true, and 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 a lot of ladies that come from the from from down in the Valley way where they've been playing. And yeah, we get stories like that all the time, and we're just happy that they're paying in our league. You know, yeah, they're thanking us, but we're thanking them also because, like I said, without them, we wouldn't have a league. What is an so, average the, cost for an IWFA uh, athlete in a season? Are we talking thousands of dollars or are we talking a thousand dollars? Like I'm talking about uniform scope and, you know, just in general, like the cost to play in the IWFA. Well, each team has their individual cost, but in all honestly, the balance to pay each player, as far as the cost to use to join a team is probably around $250, between 250 to $350 to play. And that so that's, that's the entry for the team, or is that including uniforms? That's the that's that's the uniform and stuff to play on the team. Okay. The so that's the pretty reasonable. Individually, the ladies individually playing in the IWFA, it's just the ten dollar league fee. That's all we charge. Okay. So ten dollar membership basically, and then you got your two fifty for uh, apparel. I mean, uh, for uniform costs and things like that. Depending on the team, some coaches if they if they have a if they have a that's why the teams are individually owned. So therefore, mm-hmm. some some coaches may not charge as much. It just depends on they fundraise money. So these ladies yep. are very creative, and so they make it very affordable to play. And they'll work with you. All right. Cause are you uh, on the field? Are you guys doing YouTube at, at any point? Thinking forward at this point, be on Facebook or IG or. Are you guys kind of expanding your branding in in, in different uh, social media outlets? Well, we're on IG already. We're on IG already. Uh, Of course, we're on Facebook. Uh, We need to work on our Twitter. And then uh, YouTube, one of of my partners is the the main guy who does all that. And uh, he he decides the direction of where to take us more than I do. So I'll let him handle that. He's, he's he's very good with all that stuff. So, have you got any feedback? Instagram is same with better for you guys. Is it Instagram? Because a lot of I know I'm getting a lot of feedback from women's tackle leagues and and everybody's basically on Instagram more so than anything. Especially now that you can do stories and you can do galleries. There's a lot of stuff you can do on on IG now. Yeah, our Instagram is doing doing well. Instagram is doing very well. So we're definitely on Instagram. So you can follow us there. You can follow us, like I said, on Facebook. Um, either way. 
Now, uh, Terrence, how many people uh, besides yourself are involved into the the league itself on on the top level? And then you got the owners, you said. But between the, is it two or three of you up at the top in terms of the league at scope itself? Yeah, it's three of us at the top. It's uh, Rod Green, myself, and OJ McClintock that own the league. And then we have uh, so you said six we, owners, six eight owners. Yes, and so after that, we have the owners of each individual team. Um, that uh, for San Antonio, of course, is Gibby Alvarado. Uh, Melissa Guerrero Herrera runs. Uh, I got her last name wrong. She's gonna she's gonna kill me. She runs the Corpus Christi Lady Sharks. Uh, Bear Singleton and Lachelle Robinson run the Costa Bend Legion. Uh, Vanessa. Uh, I, I don't forgot her last name. She's gonna kill me too. Barajas runs the uh, Hive, and London runs the uh, River City Warriors. Run London and uh, I forgot her partner's name, and she's gonna kill me too. You got me on the spot, Oscar. I wasn't expecting that question. So it's okay. But, yeah, uh, you're gonna survive so, because they all love you, so you're, you'll be fine. You'll just get a little poked here and there. <laughs> yeah, they, they still gonna kill me though, but it's cool. And of course, Janelle <laughs> is now added to the IWFA staff. So, uh, as far as a player liaison, so that's why she does all the videos and stuff that she does. All right. So uh, I wanted to bring you on because you guys have been very successful in the last year, and then this year in general, and then obviously having a season in COVID because we had anticipated no season for everybody. Once uh, the WFA f- uh, said, "Hey, we're not doing it," the WNFC. Uh, it literally became one of those things where, like, okay, we're not going to have a season in, in terms of tackle women's tackle football, but here you are. You did have a season, and you continue to have a season. So are we looking at eight-week season, ten-week season? What are we looking at in terms of weeks? We're looking at a – we're looking at a – it was like a six-week to seven-week season going into the playoffs with the championship game being August the 22nd. Now, as you know, we are in COVID times. Things are changing. We're hoping to finish the season, but as the teams and the owners, we're in communication with each other all the time. Uh, depending on how things change, we may not be able to finish if we can't use facilities. As of right now, we're still okay. We're maneuvering. We're moving. Uh, if we have to move a game around, we know certain cities are shutting down more than other cities. So we're just doing our best to keep everybody playing. At the same time, staying safe. Are you doing neutral site? If the worst case scenario, you think it'll be one neutral site, one county that allows oh. it, or that kind of deal? Uh, yeah, right now we have uh, facilities that are still open that are working just fine with no problem as long as we follow safety guidelines. So we're utilizing those sites to have games if necessary. Uh, if I have to pull all the games in one spot in one day. Uh, if that's what we have to do, that's what we have to do. We 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 are working however we can, you know. And if it ever gets to the point where we can't, then we'll make the announcement. Hey, you know, if the governor took stuff down, then we have to follow our guidelines like everybody else. All right. So, Terrence, um, I I think everybody was very excited. I was excited to see that you guys had a season week one, week two, and it kind of caught me by surprise too because I was thinking, okay, we're gonna have no season. Then the Utah Girls Football League, you know, messaged me and says that we're having a, a little four-week season over here. So it was really nice to have that. And then all of a sudden I see you guys pretty much week one, week two. So, um, you know, hats off to you guys for making the effort to just 
put women's football on display, especially your, your, all your athletes that play in your league are always a, a very high caliber. And so that's, a, you know, it's a credit to you as a, as the top tier on the, on, in terms of the brand, but ultimately to all the, the coaches and the owners in the league and then the athletes that play for you. So real good branding. I, I'm expecting that you guys will, you know, somehow evolve to another level in terms of giving the visibility to these players, because uh, you do have a way of, you know, recruiting some really good talented athletes that the world hasn't seen yet. Yes. And we hope to give them as much visibility as we can. Um, and that's our, that's our, that's a goal for sure. And like I said, we recruit, but we're thankful for them for, like I said, just coming over here to play. You know, we try to be as honest as we can with them about everything. Uh, I, you know, just like I said, the coaches and the owners and my two partners uh, have so much football knowledge. It's, it's, it's amazing. So they're getting some good coaching over here. And I think at the end of the day, when it comes down to it, you know, yeah, they're ladies, but they're football players. And all football players will migrate to good coaching. And that's the truth. No, no doubt, no doubt. I mean, if they can get some sort of benefit out of it in a, at a higher scope, of course. Um, are we expecting some of your players to be an X league for the next season? And also, you said some of those some 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 of your players in your league have committed to a letter of intent for the uh, the women's football league association for the uh, inaugural season. So um, we could see as fanatics. You know, a lot of your top-level athletes from this brand that you have successfully ran for so long on two different stages. Isn't that going to be exciting for you, and the ownership oh, in yeah. general, to see them at oh, a yeah. like, prominent stage? Well, yes, that's because that's the ultimate goal, to get them to the highest level that they're going to achieve. Each woman has their own personal goals, and it's our job, if we can, to help them get there where they want to by providing them the platform to start on and, and go as high as they can, as they want to go. Uh, so it is exciting. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm excited to see what happens. Uh, like I said, I, I hope everything works out and, and, and I get to see the spotlight and Hey, maybe one of them will send me a couple of tickets to the game. Well, maybe if you get birthday cake as well, that would be nice. Ticket to the game and some birthday cake. They've always throw it over the top. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so, why not? And maybe beer. Just go with beer too. Yeah, while we're at it. Hey, uh, hey, a nice old <laughs> beer. I'm good to go. Hey, well, you know what? For me, hey, give me an angry orchard. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, why not? I mean, right there, <laughs> ice it up and everything. Um, exactly. Terrence, exactly. We were we were doing Mexico, uh, me- the Mexico swing before this whole COVID thing, and you and you guys were you had an event in Mexico, and they, they were supposed to come over to the states. And that sort of got canceled. Are we still in that mentality of restructuring that somehow? Maybe not this year, but 2021? Oscar, we would love to still do that. I just don't know, you know, with the COVID situation. um, You know, you already have, it's already difficult when you're talking about getting uh, the ladies of Mexico over here with visas and things of that nature. And now with COVID, but man, exactly. If this clears up and things get way better and get closer to normal, uh, we would love entertaining the fact of uh, having Mexico come over here. And uh, there's a there's a team in Canada too. That they 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 said they wanted to lace up against Team Texas 
and we have no problem with uh, hoping to make that happen. So, yes, we would love to continue doing that. I'm, we're still in contact with the owners of that, uh, that league down in Mexico, great group, a great group of people, and uh, we just got to wait and see. Now, um, this is one of the things that we had talked about, like, way before COVID and everything else, and there was such an excitement. The girls had a great time down in Mexico for that event. Um, and so, I mean, like, all this is just a bummer, right? It's like you just turn around and you're like, you just get shut down, cut off. It was kind of depressing in a way. It was like quick depression. Like, you're done. You're locked up. No football. Um, at the worst case scenario, right? Um, but, you know, obviously things are yeah. more important than the sport and stuff like that. But uh, overall, I mean, I was happy to see that you guys are back in action. That's really what I'm trying to say. Yeah, well, I appreciate that, Oscar. We, like I said, we're working hard on this end, and the ladies are working hard, and we're trying, like I said, we're trying everything to make sure that we can try to finish this season. You know, we're going to give it our best shot. We're going to give it our best effort, uh, and then we're just going to see what happens. You can never achieve anything if you don't try, so we're definitely trying. All right, Terrence, I really appreciate you making the time. I know you're a busy guy, and uh, especially right now with all the season going on and everything with the guidelines and a lot more pressure put on you and things like that. So I really, really thank you for uh, making the time and coming in and kind of giving our fans and our audience um, the perspective of the Icon Women's Football Association, um, your success. There's a lot of good talent that's coming out of your league. Uh, they've been on rosters in terms of Legends Football League prior to that. Obviously, they're going to be on X-League rosters. At this point, more than likely, we're going to see a lot of that talent in the WFLA um, debut in 2021. So, I mean, hats off to you and your ownership. Hats off to all the players out there as well for just putting uh, women's football on the map in terms of a high-speed eight-on-eight action. And uh, you guys have done a great job. Oscar, I really appreciate that, and my partners appreciate that too. I appreciate you inviting us on the show to talk about it because uh, a lot of people probably don't know who we are, uh, but we don't really, we don't really worry about recognition. Love, uh, recognition is the proof is in the pudding. The late, how great the ladies are. And so that lets us know we're doing the right thing. And so as long as we know that we're doing the right thing by them, we'll always try to keep, do, keep pushing and make this league better every year. You know what? You guys have done a great job. Uh, we keep an eye on you like a microscope. So we're going to be watching you guys like a hawk. And then uh, shout out to all the uh, amazing photographers, F2 Imagery, and all those folks that capture the moments in your league as well, that we can upload photos and share those as well. So shout out to them as well. Okay, most definitely. They they keep the pictures rolling, and, it's, you know, like I said, great shots. They do some great pictures. There's some great shots for the ladies. Yeah, memories is what we want to keep, and things like that, uh, especially from those that – want to spotlight sometimes we get video sometimes we don't but imaging in terms of action and activity uh those are long lasting and i, I think the, I'm, the players i'm pretty sure really appreciate those efforts by those people as well so um icon women's football association on facebook iwfa uh you're on ig at uh, iwfa as well iwfa football right correct yes all right, so you can check them out there. And then you said you're um, you're going to go do uh, Twitter at some point. You guys are doing Twitter account as well? Oh, you're going to do a Twitter account. Uh, I will talk to my partner about that one. We, you know, I'm not a big social media person. I'm not the social media person of, of the group. <laughs> so most definitely on Twitter. And 
Hey, YouTube, uh, as we get more videos, uh, more great video, we'll upload it more to YouTube and get that part going for sure. All right, so shout out to Janelle. Tell her she's doing a great job. We really appreciate her interviewing the players and getting to spotlight some of the amazing talent that is in the IWFA. So, Terrence, thank you again. Appreciate it, making the time. Look forward to another conversation as we get closer to maybe uh, the playoffs and the championship, you know, obviously with the COVID-19 in, you know, in our backs, hopefully. Uh, but uh, looking forward to hopefully finishing the season strong and then spotlighting the amazing athletes that are in your league. Okay, Oscar, I really appreciate being on the show. Thanks. Have a great night. You have a great one. Okay, goodbye. All right, guys, um, that's Terrence Haywood, the CEO and partner with uh, the Icon Women's Football Association. A lot of talented players in this brand have been on the biggest stage in terms of visibility, which is uh, previously Legends Football League. And it looks to me like in 2021, obviously with COVID-19 coming up, maybe not Hopefully everything goes as planned and we get away from this whole thing. Um, in 2021, we are going to see another level of excitement. A lot of the athletes in this league have participated at the highest level in terms of visibility, which is Legends Football League. Now we get to see X-League brand at its finest. Um, you get to see some of the talent that's going to be on the Austin Sound, and uh, you're going to get to see the IWFA amazing talent. It's going to be a front and center. Some of these are going to be on the rosters for – uh, X-League and others are going to be in the biggest stage that uh, pay the player stage, which is the WFLA who has promised to pay the players in 2021. So, um, you know, a nice feeder system, but also at the same time, this league has been able to uh, allow the players to hone their skills at the highest level. And a shout out to the coaches, as you mentioned before, those coaches are obviously at great, uh, a great uh, benefit to the players and getting the, the scale on there. So let's uh, go into let's NFL talk at this point. We're going to bring in our X-League insider, Nate Ward, and the salty one, Mackenzie Brooks. So don't forget to subscribe on Apple, iHeart, and Spotify. Really appreciate you guys bumping us on Spotify and iHeart. And uh, just go to subscribe. It's pretty easy, easy click. Don't miss a show. You can go back to 324, 325, 326. Uh, listen to the uh, amazing Adrian Smith of the Boston Renegades, as well as uh, Daniel Harvey and Cherry Waga also as well. And then don't forget, tomorrow, Wednesday, 9 p.m., 6 p.m. Pacific, Born to Play on ESPN, featuring the 2018 season of the champion, WFA champion, Boston Renegades. So let's bring in the panel here in the house. All right, uh, Mackenzie, how's it going? Or is it Nate? Nate, how's it going? I'm doing all right, Oscar. How are you? I'm doing great. Hey, um, Nate, this whole thing has changed everything, but I just talked to Terrence Haywood here, and Terrence, man, is he doing amazing things over there, and a lot of the players out of his league have been in Legends Football League previous to that, and we are expecting them to be on, on X-League rosters in 2021. It's pretty awesome. Oh, yeah, it's super exciting. I mean, it shows – you know, we we kind of talked about last week. There was there's those players that they they just loved playing. They they didn't care about the politics. They didn't care about anything around it. They just wanted to hone their craft and see them continue on and trust this new system to to continue to grow is is a testament to their endurance through anything going on around them. And it's exciting to see 
them continue on and continue playing and getting to continue to see them grow and thrive in that arena environment that they've, they've helped build to this point, and now they're getting to put more bricks on top of that. You've got the foundation, and now they're building the, the house up. It's, it's really exciting to see, and I love seeing them on their new teams, in their new environments, new schemes, new everything, and see how it all works out. I just got to, you know, I want to be honest with you. A lot of the players in the, uh, in the Icon Women's Football Association are probably going to be on that Austin Sound. You add Michelle Angel to the mix, right? You add Nicole Peterson. Right. You got a lot of players in there. We have no idea if any other players are going to show up on that roster, but if they do, this league has a lot of individual talented players from various teams that could show up on that roster, especially now that the league has changed the uniform format where it's more full kit to their style, um, we could see maybe Austin stand out. Oh, by and far. I mean, the, you're, you're talking uh, just just what with what they have right now, you're talking the stacked roster. And, yeah, that uniform is going to be a huge, huge selling point. You know, obviously, we like we've talked about many times before, the old uniform was kind of a turnoff for quite a few players that, wanted that environment, wanted that, that smaller 50-yard field environment, and with LFL being one of the very, very few big-name ways to go, it, it was it was very difficult and a hard decision to say no, but now with that uniform change, the brand change, I see a lot of big names that really wanted to, to, to go all out, getting that chance and taking the leap and joining in on the X League. Uh, Austin being a big team, because if you have those faces on there, that's going to be the draw. That's going to get people on there. And you're talking about a team that could be a very, very huge force to be reckoned with. Now, I got a, a message from a lot of uh, players from the 11 side. If they change over, once they see it, uh, we might even get 11 full kit players to come and play, try out Arena League, especially with the new concept. Bring them in. Always plenty of room. Always keep growing. Uh, any growth for women's football is good growth. You and I both know that. Oh, for sure. So uh, you guys can check out IWFA on Facebook, IWFA Football on IG. And if you haven't seen them in action, check it out. A lot of talent has come out of Lonnie Lopez, Michelle Marshall, uh, Chris Daniels, a lot of players that you would know on uh, an NFL, uh, former Legends Football League stage came out of the IWFA. So congratulations to Terrence and the group there for doing an amazing job elevating the game of 8-on-8 to another level. Uh, And Texas football, Nate? Texas football is God. <laughs> if you're playing football in Texas, <laughs> you're at a lot of there, As my dad is fond of saying, as the as he learned over time from growing up down there, there's three religions, Baptist, Church of Christ, and football, and football being the highest. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, that, that you're born with it. Like, literally, you're born with the fact that you got to, you know, football is football. Um, and, and that's, yeah, that's, there's – All right, um – why don't we go into uh, the sweet level access uh, breakout from last week was giving us some uh, nice teasers in terms of the uniform. We have no idea what the next podcast is going to do here, but overall there's some feedback in terms of what they want, you know, to place on there and things like that. So um, I'm hoping he'll invite me and have an interview, which I highly likely and doubt that'll happen. (laughs) I won't be taking off the blacklist anytime soon. I don't think. Uh, that that's about as likely as me being able to comment on their Facebook page again, which is slim to nil. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, yeah. one can only hope. One can only hope. I mean, 
Oh, I'll just, uh, just throw it out there, Nate. Mitchell, if you're listening, more than happy to have a conversation. <laughs> Bring me on, as they say. There you Bring go. Bring on. <laughs> uh, but other than that, I mean, hopefully he does come through for what he says. Changes are going to be made, and hopefully this league will uh, evolve into something bigger than it was before and put, you know, women's football and women's sports on the map in terms of visibility. So um, check it out. You guys check it out. Like I said, IWFA, very, very, very awesome league. And a lot of uh, athletes came from there, and they're playing on, on larger scales. So we're looking forward to a couple of the players. I talked to Terrence. 11-11, they've committed to the 11-11 to the, to game, and they're coming from his league. So we might see them, too, in the WFLA. So shout-out to uh, everybody out in Texas, the IWFA, for doing their, an amazing job over time here and uh, putting a lot of talent on a bigger scale. So it's going to be awesome. All right. Uh, if you guys haven't gone to the Hub, you guys need to go to the Hub. It's the face, you know. It's the place to be. It is the best network on the planet. And then Nate can't miss it tomorrow, Wednesday. It is Born to Play, ESPN, 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern. We are spotlighting probably the the elite team in women's football in terms of success, the Boston Renegades, which is awesome. Oh, oh man, I am I am so. I have been waiting with anticipation. I will be there right when it starts. Even before that, I'll probably be watching, you know, whatever's before it, sports center or something. I'm so excited. It's going to be a black. I mean, there's no better team. And who better to highlight and, and showcase women's football on a big stage and give a broad, solid introduction to than Boston? There's nobody else. And, and that's why I, I think it's like, it wasn't a surprise in a sense. I think it was more surprising to us that ESPN hasn't done it, you know, sooner in a lot of ways. Amen. Um, they're yeah. kind of like the New England Patriots of women's tackle football. I mean, they have very, very before them before they were the Renegades, they were the militia. Really good success. Uh, constant battles with like Sammy Grassoffi and Lisa Horton, and obviously Allie Hamlin. Um, all those battles, you know, between DC, Chicago, Pittsburgh. Uh, in terms of history scope, if you guys haven't got Neil Rosenthal's history book, you can get it on Amazon, uh, the Women's Football Encyclopedia, and you can pretty much dive into the history of the Women's Football Alliance and how the Boston Renegades are a visible team year in, year out, you know, whether in playoffs. Uh, this is a team, Nate, that has never really like finished bad you know, at all. It's always been in the playoffs or they've just got bumped off the playoffs, but they've always been at the championship run level every season that they've been in existence. Um, I mean, yeah, hats off to the coaching staff, but also hats, hats off to all the talented athletes on those rosters. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the success and, and, and not having a drop is a testament to um, you know, I'm sure there's been changes over time, but that's testament to finding a system that works and instilling that in each and every iteration and each and every generation of each. Excuse yeah, me, everything in between. The, change, the changeover from militia to renegades really didn't do anything. And, and we have to go back as far as, like, I think the Massachusetts mutiny, as uh, um, Jen Welter uh, tweeted out today, about how right. they started out in 2001 to 2007, and she was literally part of that team as well. So there's there's some some facts and 
tidbits right there. Jen Welter on the mutiny in Massachusetts. And then they uh, went to evolve and branch out into the Bay State Warriors and the Boston Rampage from 2002 to 2007. Um, And then you get the Boston Militia, 2008 to 2014. Um, And then currently, as of 2015, uh, the Boston Renegades. And what a run uh, this franchise has had, Nate. I mean, this is just unprecedented run. Always been successful in terms of getting to the playoffs. They've always put up a nice team. Uh, And we're talking about since, you know, 2007 and beyond, uh, you've had that, you know, 2008 until now, in other words, they've always had great success. And they've been, they've been in there every year in the WFA picture in terms of uh, playoff uh, positioning or championship uh, attainability. They are the WFA. Let's just put it right out there. They are the WFA. Oh, yeah. Any team with that strength, oh, sure. that caliber, and that success, you're the league. You're the face, bottom line. Yeah, two division titles in 2015, 2017. We have three conference championships, uh, back-to-back conference championships, 17, 18, and 19. Two championships, 2018 and 19, back-to-back as as the Renegades. So is, is the militia, they've also had success with the militia in terms of what they've done before. But in terms of the Renegades, they have owned the WFA. Oh, by and far. They, they've, they've schooled the WFA. I, I, I think that if there were ever a clinic on the proper way to execute women's football, they would run it. I mean, oh yeah, I don't, I don't see any other team in women's, fo- in women's football as a whole. I've watched a ton. I don't think there's any team but Boston that could put on a clinic and teach the success and the secret to a good football team, by and far. And this is this is interesting, okay? Spotlighting this team is very interesting because on January 5th, 2015, three-time champions at that time, the militia announced they were discontinuing operations. Remember that? This, that was a huge yeah. blow. Huge blow. So in order for Boston to have a football team, okay, former players secured a transfer of ownership of team from the militia, which is Ernie Bach Jr., uh, to Molly mm-hmm. Goodwin, Mia Brickhouse, and Aaron Brumgartner uh, incorporated as Boston Women's LLC and reorganized the team under the current banner, which is Boston Renegades. So, you know, shout out to Molly, Mia, and Aaron for really keeping afloat a traditional, successful franchise and now credit them for what it is right now, an elite franchise in women's tackle football. Absolutely. A huge, huge props for them for picking up the – pardon the pun, but picking up the ball and really, really running with it. I I don't think we'd be getting this opportunity and this exposure to women's football that ESPN is giving tomorrow night if it was not for them seeing that this franchise needed to continue, that it was too successful to just let it go, just let it drop and end. And, I mean – they, they should go down at Boston sports history overall. I mean, right up there with, I'd say right up there with Bill Belichick. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, you, can, and, you can throw and, it in with the Celtic era as well. I mean, the, the amount of absolutely. titles that they've won, they got to be up there in that level too. Um, so 2018 is the season that the documentary is going to capture. It is a 6-2 and two season for them. 6-2, and two, okay? 
third national conference championship in tier one. Okay. They won the national conference semifinal against the passion. They won the national conference final against the DC divas. They took care of the Los Angeles warriors on the national mm-hmm. stage on ESPN three. So that season alone, that three seasons alone, my God, what an option uh, to not watch it. You got to watch it. It's just an exciting you have to. Uh, memory 2018. And then coming off of a, coming off of a loss in the national championship against Dallas, that was in 2017. They had a seven and O run in 2017. They, they, they took care of uh, DC. They took care of Chicago and they just could not overcome the Dallas elite. Um, so and now you go 2018. Last year, they won the conference final as well. They went 8-0 and last year. They racked up no, no losses, and they proved it once again, meeting Los Angeles in the final, and they proved it once again. Uh, here's the stat that I think everybody is missing. 39 wins, 10 losses, including the playoffs. Nate, that's just outstanding. There is not many, and I, I will include men's, men's teams on this. There is not many, very, very few teams that can say that they have a record like that where they have, like, I would say even 15 losses or less, let alone 10. That is I, – I, I'm flabbergasted. I mean, every time I look at that yeah. number, every time I look at that overall record, it's just like it, you can't make that up. Oh no, you can't. Uh, salty one in the house, or Mackenzie. Uh, we're just we're just in awe of the Renegades. The last uh, since their evolution, you know, since they went to the Renegades, they have been tearing the WFA apart, and they've been proving that they are the best team on the planet. And thirty nine and ten, really, including the playoffs, that's huge. Yeah, you know, the Boston Renegades are. They are an interesting bunch of women, just for the plain fact that you you go thirty nine and ten, including the playoffs, and those ten those ten losses are, to be honest, were close games. Like they were, you know, touchdown games, field goal games, you know, games that you know could have a could have a mental effort. So in in retrospect, when you when you look at it, it's um. Pretty pretty amazing to see, especially you know, kind of like Nate said, with you know, even including the men's teams. There's not a lot of teams, period, that can that have done that or can do that. And the Renegades just happen to be just that that elite, you know, to have even just to have that kind of a record is amazing. Yeah, and you you got to think about all the things that they've done so far in just a small small scope, but overall, the things that they went through, you know, uh, Molly, uh, Mia, and Aaron to kind of resurrect the team after um, the owner, Bach, left, and there was no uh, no team technically, and they, they put it together at this point, and now here we are, success, and this season that they're going to they're gonna do on the documentary is 2018. It's a, it's a great uh portion to do because it's 2018 against Pittsburgh, against D.C., and eventually the Warriors, and they're coming off that big loss from the Dallas Elite the previous year in the finals. So emotions high. Yeah, you know, this uh, this documentary that's coming out is 
going to put the world on notice, especially with the things that have already that, you know, the, the women's football community itself, whether it's X League or WFA, WNFC, USWFL, you know, any of the, the major leagues, you know, international play, um, it's going to put the world on notice even more because they're going to, they're actually going to see like, okay, this is, oh, this is real. Like, this is a thing, like, you know, kind of like, it's kind of like a, um, as, uh, divinifying the validity of women's tackle football. Um, it's going to be great. And I'm, I will be tuning in. I cannot wait for this. I've shared it in like almost all 289 groups that I'm now in. So it's going to be, it's going to be electrifying, especially those of us who have been play, you know, who, who play the sport of women's football, being able to see, you know, one of our sister teams, whether we've got friends on there, you know, whether we've, you know, played for that league that's being featured on this documentary documentary is going to be, uh, it's going to be a little bit emotional seeing, you know, our sport on finally on a huge platform. Oh yeah, for sure. And then the fact that you revive the, the team and then you take into account, okay, there's coaches, the coaching changes, the turnover in the coaches. So it was Don Williams first season. And then you had former uh, coaches, uh, Michael Musio and Brielle Parker, step in as coordinators. Uh, just the fact that you got to build something from scratch, right? And then you had, obviously, former players, Molly Goodwin and Jennifer Edwards, joined the defensive staff. Um, so there's a lot of patchwork to do. Um, and then you add, in the course of the season, you added, you know, head coach Johnny Johnson from the intensity, and then you added uh, former Patriots Patrick uh, Pass as assistant coach. Um, that first season, that 2015, basically – set the tone for what was to come for the next season. They, they did lose to the force um, in the semifinals, uh, 49-18. But, hey, they turn around in 2016, and they, they make up for it, and then they go into this run that we're currently witnessing. Yeah, you know, it's, it's kind of like I said already, you know, being able to see the transition of the Boston Renegades in – as a whole from when they, from before they became the renegades to now is crazy. And just the fact that it's that, you know, it's, it's 2020 and, you know, those of us who have been in the sport around the sport, covering the sport, you know, those, those of us that know the ins and outs of women's football know how amazing, like we see how amazing it's been to watch teams like that, you know, rebuild themselves and then, you know, basically put themselves into every year dominance, every, every year um, relevance, in terms of regular season playoffs and, you know, in a championship run as well. And now, like I said, and now that, you know, it's, it's going to be on ESPN tomorrow night, it's going to put a lot of people, it's, it's, people's perspectives about women's, what, what women's football is, is going to change. And I think Nate especially can, you know, kind of, you know, verify with me that, you know, it's, it's going to put a lot of people, it's going to put a lot more interest in our sport in general, like I said, whether it's X League, a USWFL, you know, any of the other major women's leagues, it's going to put a lot of doubters and naysayers and people who just don't know about the sport um, on, you know, on alert. Now, let's just not forget um, the talented quarterback that's been there for a long, long time, the staple of this franchise, uh, Allison Cahill. 
which uh, is basically the first quarterback to attain 100 victories exclusively in women's tackle football in the leagues. So, you know, that was done, uh, I think, in May of, I think, May of 2016, if I'm correct on my notes. So, you know, shout out to Allison Cahill for keeping it real, uh, staying upright, and guiding this ship from militia to renegade. So, you know, um, Salty, I mean, that's just durability, and she's proven it over and over every season. Oscar, you know me. You know I love, you know, I'm a huge fan of longevity. Like, you know, that's my thing is is longevity and being able to show that you can keep, you know, keep a commitment like that for a while. So, you know, with Allison Cahill being that first quarterback to have 100 victories is freaking mind-blowing. I mean, it really, it really is like there's no way around it. There's no like you can't definitely can't take that away from her because I would like to see anybody in any other league or any other, you know, instant like that having a, you know 100 victories and still being and being there as long as she has being with that you know from the militia to the renegades now, you know, and and still being as dominant and as recognizable of a face as you can, you know, you can almost get in our sport. So um, huge shout out to her. Huge shout out to Renegade. Shout out to women's football in general. Um, and if you're not on board with it, you might as well you either hop on the train or get out because we're not going nowhere straight up. Yeah. And this is, this is huge, Nate. Uh, this team has been able to overcome even on a, even on a maybe downer season. In other words, like where they lose, uh, in a conference final, but they rebound the next year and they come strong. So, you know, in 2016, um, they traveled to the semifinals against um, Chicago and they upset them 17 to 13 in that season. And then they turned around and weren't, were unable to overcome the divas, but they come back in 17 and my God, you know, they got, didn't lose a beat. They bring in John Johnson, which continued as, as the co- head coach taking on, you know, the defensive coordinator as well. They got Vernon Crawford, Chris Astley continue their roles as well. And uh, they kind of retooled and they changed their venue uh, from Dolby to James O'Connor Stadium at the Catholic Memorial School in Boston. Um, but they just didn't miss a beat. They were, they're still, you know, they were in the Northwest kind of isolated. But overall, in terms of, you know, the perspective that the WFA has put together, um, they didn't lose a beat. They just said, hey, we're, we're going for it next year and watch out for us and we're coming back. Anytime you have a slip up, like we said, you know, you get to, uh, to that level, you get to a, to a final and you falter. You, you learn from those mistakes and you come back hungry. And it's not, it's not just a phrase, it's not just an analogy. you hungry and wanting to get that victory back. You had, you know, you had it snatched away from you. You might have made a minor slip up here or there, but you learn and you come back having taken that off season to learn what you missed, what you could have improved on, and what you could have done to succeed. And they have every time they've they've had one of those bumps, they have used that and they have it's it's like you know a scar. If it gets busted open again, it re comes it comes back harder and harder and harder. And they every time they've hit one of those bumps, they have come back firmer and stronger and more well built than before. And that's why we continue to see this level of success from them is because they are able to do that so quickly. 
they get hurt, they bounce back quicker than they did before, and they come out swinging. And like like we said, we saw that in this past se- in the the last couple of seasons where they just dominated. Why? Because they figured out their mistakes, they built themselves up, and they came back a machine. Not just a small, oh, we did this, we did that. No, they took everything, retooled, rebuilt, and, I mean, the results speak for themselves. They they are building, they have built themselves up where they could be indestructible. And that's, that's a testament to their team and the, the core product that they, that they have out there. I mean, from coaches down to players, it's all about that, that mentality and that system. And if you believe in the system, it will work. Uh, Mackenzie, uh, what do we say of Molly and um, Mia and Aaron? I mean, to pick up the pieces after it was going to completely collapse and not stay alive, uh, a lot of resolve, uh, probably a lot of stress. And ultimately, you know, they had to do what they thought was best, and they loved this sport and they loved this team. And and look at the success they've had with all the intangibles to keep it alive. So here's here's what we say about those three very powerful individuals is they are in my book the definition of an iron an iron woman. You go through the trenches and you go through the ups and downs, good, bad, ugly. You go through all of it and you still come out on top, which is exactly what all three of them have done numerous times. Not you know not one time, but twice essentially moving from one installation of a team to another and then having to rebuild your old installation into the new one and now being one of the top women's teams across the globe is that that's really my definition of, of what those three ladies are as far as being an you know iron women pioneers of the sport you know positive um, positive attributes to the the movement that we're trying to get across to people is like hey we still have you know we're, we are a thing. Women's tackle football is a thing. It's not something to be played with. It's not something to be scoffed at. It ain't something to be, you know, oh, jokey-jokey about. Like, for those of us who know, you know, what it takes to play on a team and how how hard it is sometimes to play on a team, you know, it's it's enlightening to see that you can just move from one, thing, one installation to another and – you know, there was almost a time period where I thought they were, they were going to end up, you know, moving back to the militia, and then, you know, the Renegades were born, and now they're here. So, like I said, the, those three women are literally the three definitions of Iron Woman football, period. I, I agree. I think they've, they've done a tremendous job. you got to give them a lot of credit. I'm pretty sure a lot of stressful hours trying to get sponsors and working ordeals, trying to, uh, you know, get the staffing together, putting up a social account, maintaining a presence on social media, you know, community involvement with other local women's sports teams as well has helped them tremendously. Um, And and then, uh, you know, a lot of players have played on the biggest stage, you know, Steph Jeffers, Vicky Eddy, Adrian Smith, Reezy Woodfine, um, you know, Jeffers and Eddy have played, uh, including Emily uh, Weinberg, played in the 2017 Women's championship. So, uh, Nate, you know, a, a lot of these players understand, you know, championship mentality, and I think that's maybe a key that rubs off on the rest of the roster that on, on a season to season. No, it's definitely a mentality. I, I think it's also, um, I, I think it's 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 lifestyle. In order to get to that mentality, I 
think what you have to do. I mean, like you said, you know, there's, you know, there's the, the promotion and making the pages, making the trainings, all that kind of stuff. In order to have that kind of level of success, I think you almost have to make it your life goal, like more so than just a, a hobby or something that you, you, you love to do on, on the side because you like football. I almost think like you have to treat it as a second job. Now you may or may not be getting paid for it. And we're seeing the growth where they could be that where they're, they'll definitely in some form be getting paid to play. But I, and I, and I, you know, I applaud them for that because with that mentality, with keeping it as a second job, you have to. And so to have this level of success and to even be able to get a special on ESPN and put more eyes on it, that is the kind of growth you need in order for it to actually be a second job and not just treating it as such um, and having it, you know, you have to put a lot of effort in to, 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 to do what Boston has done. There's no question. So to, to finally be successful and see payment for it. I mean, that's the icing on the cake and to get those eyes that will help grow that and help bring in the income to supplement that even bigger. No, for sure. And then you, you can't take away, if we're looking at the in perspective, born to play, it's going to be tomorrow, Wednesday night, 9 p.m., 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern on ESPN. Don't miss it, born to play. You can go at born to play on uh, movie on Twitter, Boston Renegades on IG, Boston Renegades on Facebook, or you can go to bostonrenegades.com uh, as well. Uh, but uh, Mac, this team, this the, the setting here for this documentary is a big loss to the Dallas Elite, 31-21 in the uh, W Bowl two final. They had gone uh, a, they were running the table in that season, seven and zero. They had claimed the national conference playoff. They got the bye week, and then they took on the Divas, and they beat the Divas by three points. That was an awesome game, 27-24 in the conference semifinal. Then they go and defeat the Chicago Force 47-33 in the conference title game, and they just get edged, basically. Uh, obviously, Dallas being the better team that night. And so they retool, and here we are. The documentary is going to basically spotlight the 2018 season as they come off that loss from the Dallas Elite. Yeah, and, and I think having the setting um, with that loss is going to show people, like, you know, what what it's actually like to sit there and, you know, have that perfect season going and then, boom, have it taken, you know, taken away from you in, in, in one game, just like any other sport. But the difference between our sport and all the other major sports out there is that those major sports are getting the attention, getting the eyes. Our major sport, and it is major, I don't care what nobody say. You're not going to tell me differently. I don't care who you are. You're not going to argue with me. Okay, women's football is a major sport. It's whether or not y'all people out there listening want to, want to give it a chance. Okay, you can only invest in something. You can only see a turnout in something if you invest in it, which is exactly what this documentary tomorrow night is going to show. And I promise you I'll be front and center on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Tumblr, I don't care what social media platform I have, I will be on there and there will be content to be had because people need to see what it's like. People need to understand, like, oh, like, this is not no patty cake. No, it ain't no patty cake. It's a damn sport, and people need to start respecting it. I, I agree with you. Uh, shout out to John, uh, John Johnson. Shout out to Vernon Crawford, uh, Cliff Ashley. 
and everybody you know that has contributed to the success of the Renegades in, spe- in terms of coaches. And then shout out to all the players. But you're going to get to see uh, a great um, documentary, one for the ages. You're going to get to see an elite football team. This is probably right next to Dallas Elite Spartans in a lot of ways. But over time, this this team, this ownership, the previous ownership, they have put uh, Boston on the map in terms of women's football. And this is, uh, I think, uh, Mac, you got to call it, this is probably elite level football. This is probably one of the best women's football teams on the planet. It is. I mean, and there's no taking that away from them. However, I will preface my comments by saying the following, and I don't care if I get any feedback. Y'all can find me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, all of it. If you have a problem with what I'm about to say, any women's football at this point is elite football because we're out here putting our bodies at risk, doing the exact same things, having treatments done, going through playbooks, having practices, team meetings, talk, talk, you know, games, things of that nature. Any women's football at this point is elite football. Like I said, it's whether or not y'all want to wake up your freaking eyes and notice it. And the Boston Renegades are going, are going to show you just that tomorrow night. So I highly encourage everybody to watch the documentary tomorrow night because, like I said, I will be front center. We will be on the Twitter. We will be on the Snapchat and Instagram and the Facebook and all the other places for live viewing content. Okay, so tune in. And if not, well, you'll be sorry. I mean, I don't know what else y'all want me to say. Like, this is, mm-hmm. this is real. This is all. It's literally people are going to find out, like, oh, damn, like, this is a thing. Yeah, it's a thing. It's been a thing since the 60s. Okay, wake up, America. It's football time. Nate, they are road warriors. This Boston team doesn't care about the setting, right? They don't care if they're at home or on the road. Right. If you take their record, uh, I think it was a stat that um, I got from Neil's book, since the fir- they, they became the first team since 2006, which you'd have to go back to the Atlanta explosion of the IWFL to capture a Division I national title by winning three consecutive away games. That's a lot. Three away games on the road, and you know they're not getting airline, you know, accommodations. <laughs> they're on a bus ride, right? Going back in, in the country. That's wear and tear too. So I mean, that's good. That's just you know, awesome uh, to the fact that they can stay mind, their mindset, stay that that set, and able to accomplish that three road games. That's huge. That's uh, that's ironclad determination. I mean, oh, yeah. you, you think about, you know, like you said, it, it's bus rides. You know, you're not getting that air accommodation. You're not, you know, you're not traveling in the, in the best situations. You know, you're not traveling like the big boys. So to be able to overcome the the you know the the chance start that some of those game a lot of those games I'm pretty sure were you know time differences to overcome that to overcome the leg of the hours on the road. And to have the mentality and the focus to just block out the fact that you are in a different environment from home and do it not once, not twice, but three times in a row when it matters most, that's just a, a plot, a plot. <laughs> Mac, um, we're, we're going to see 2018 spotlighted here in this documentary, but you know what? Last year, they ran the table last year. They were counting. I remember. I don't know if you remember on their Facebook pages. Every win, they were doing the rally, and chalk it up, chalk it up, chalk it up. Eight and zero, and 
and they finished up Los Angeles once again in 2019. So uh, this, this Born to Play documentary is going to be very eye-opening for a lot of non-women's uh, American football fans. It's going to showcase, like you said, the durability, determination, and the championship pedigree of that is the Boston Renegades. You know, I was I was at that game at the the Colorado School of Mines last summer. I was at I was at that game. I was working event staff, watching that game. Watching well, actually actually that was where I met my my one of my favorite sports idols, Destiny Yarbrough. I met her that day at check in or the, that week at check in. Um, I was doing an Olympic powerlifting combine out there, and I ended up um, you know helping out the um, the staff out the WFA staff out there with some game security and, and um, um, things of that nature and being able to watch them come back because <laughs> oh, um, L.A. Was, was, was really handling business at one point for a while. And then as soon as the second half come, come around, boom, second half, and it was just all cylinders were going, all cylinders were going, and then Boston just came out and took just to snatch their soul. I mean, there's no really no other way for me to put it, and that's no disrespect to towards anybody else that was playing that game. But Boston literally came back the second half and snatched their soul. And I wish that some of that footage would be on this documentary. But the fact that we have a documentary about women's tackle football in America in 2019 and 20 is already is is pedigree enough in itself. Like I said, people need to tune into this. It's going to be on ESPN, like the ESPN, not any of the sub-channels, not none of that extra stuff. ESPN, okay, that's, that's where it's going to be. So, like I said, y'all really need to tune into this. I mean, I don't know how many times I'm going to say it, but I'm going to say it until I'm blue in the face. Tune in, get educated, become a fan. Yeah, it's going to be a really awesome uh, 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern, ESPN, born to play, check it out, um, you know, DVR it, put it on your calendar, don't miss it, and make sure you're there. And then we're going to be watching it completely eyes open. So shout out to Molly, Mia, and Aaron for an amazing job that they've done with the organization, the coaching staff, and uh, shout out to all the amazing players that have been participating in, as part of the roster of the Boston Renegades. All right. So you guys, if you miss anything, don't know what's co- happening, Right, Mac? Right, Nate? If you're missing something, yep. you go to the hub. You go ah. to the hub. And the hub tells you cool. what? Born to play tomorrow, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. Shame on you if you're not there tomorrow. I mean, what else is there to say? Like, we go through this every week. The hub is where you get all the information as far as well as following all of us on social media is also where you get your information mm-hmm. because we live at the hub. Y'all need to get, get on with the hub. If you're not on the hub, I don't think we can be friends for real. If y'all not following us on Twitter and Instagram and, and Facebook, yep. we really can't, I, I can't, I can't mess with you. Like I get so many people asking me, well, when is this? When is that? I'd be telling them literally go to the hub. It really has all your information. She go to the hub. Nothing, nothing changes, but all the, stuff that you can get international coverage because we have the best network on the planet we have passionate fans that love to bring awareness to women's american football and shout out to everybody globally in australia guam south and north america europe everywhere so thank you everybody for being part of bringing awareness to women's american football all right so if you guys haven't gone to the hub go to the hub 
facebook.com for slash gridiron beauties. All right, uh, Mac, let's end it here. We had some action here uh, in terms of IWFA week two, 42 to eight Legion take off the, take on the river city warriors. Uh, we just had Terrence Haywood in action here. Our girl, Lexi DeMeo checking it out. Check off number two week win, win number two. And that is the Sin City Trojans taking care of business against the Rio Grande Heat, 56-0. Girl throwing bombs out there, Salty. She's throwing bombs. Look, you know, on some real stuff, I caught some of that game. Um, I cannot remember what her receiver's name is, but like she just dropped back and threw this bomb out of nowhere. She, I'm pretty sure she had about maybe a .5 to one second window to get the ball off. And I don't know, I don't know where she came like because I definitely thought she was going to get sacked. And then all of a sudden you just see this ball float it perfectly too, mind you, like perfectly through the air and just lands like softly in her receiver's hands. I'm sitting, I was sitting there looking at my, at my iPad screen like, did I really just watch that? Like, is that a thing? Like, I, because I was pretty sure you was about to be sacked. Like, that's how that was like. And that's, and that's the other thing people don't realize is that, you know, being a being a player of the sport does not mean that we're not fans, right? I think I'm probably one of the biggest football fans on planet Earth. So when I saw when I see stuff like that in other games that you know I may not be a part of that league or a part of that team or organization, but when I see cool stuff like that, I got to give it a shout out. No, shout out to Lexi, uh, and that's what you get from her. No joke football, right there. Boom, big time, fifty-six to zero, chalk up win number two for the Sin City Trojans in the independent uh, season that they've created here. So shout out to them as well. And then uh, we're going to get updates on the Utah Girls Football League um, playoffs that happened with the varsity, the junior, and the elementary this past June 27th. So as soon as those get updated, we'll go ahead and uh, update that. But if you missed the action this past weekend, the 26th and the 27th, you go to Utah Girls Football League right there on Facebook. And you got Facebook Live on all the games. So all the awesome girls there. And also there's some features there that are really interesting. Um, Nate and Mac, a lot of the players are now seniors from when the league started. So this is really awesome. Now we get to see, you know, them growing up from when they started. And, uh, you know, shout out to all them girls that uh, stood the course and now have made this league kind of a staple league internationally as well. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm just it's it's crazy to think that those girls that started the Utah League are seniors. Like it's it's really yep. <laughs> I'm Pretty really awesome. just sitting here like that's why I took so long to answer because I'm like, oh my god, they're really seniors in high school right now. Yep. <laughs> like holy cow! Like where yeah. did the time go? <laughs> that, that's just why awesome. I didn't say anything for a second because you 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 said that and it just was like. You know, to to think about that, it's like what what can you say? I mean, to think yeah, about exactly. how they've grown, they've grown through the whole system, and now they're going to move up to to hopefully, you know, highlighting in uh in in, in on, on school teams, on hopefully on college teams, and then you know we're we're seeing a huge rise in women's football on a pro level. I mean, sky's the limit for these girls at this point. There's no question about oh, yeah, it. Sky sure. is the oh, limit. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And then you still have uh, Brent Gordon and Sam Gordon really fighting to get, um, you know, the high schools in Utah to really make it a formal competition game, uh, make it formal, you know, and throughout the state. So shout out to 
Brent Gordon and Sam Gordon for, you know, keeping the fight up, try to get that, uh, you know, that level in terms of a varsity junior level as well. And then, uh, Mac, you can't forget, we got to give a shout-out to the elementary level, too. They, they were kicking butt, too, this weekend. You know, I love, I love me some kids. Man, them girls were kicking butt. I was like, y'all are in elementary school? Like, for real? I would say, I mean, I remember when I was in elementary school, and I would get angry because dudes wouldn't hit me. Like, if you don't hit me, I will run right the hell through you. Like, that's where I was in, in elementary school. Now that, you know, there's girls playing tackle football in elementary school level is still mind-blowing to me. I don't care how long, the, you know, this league has been around. It's still mind-blowing to me. And to be honest, it'll probably still be mind-blowing to me. Because just the thing, like I said, you know, we just discussed how the, the very first installment of the Utah Girls Tackle Football League are seniors in high school. Okay. See, 12th grade, that, that's – that's the last grade in grade school before you go to secondary education, college, you know, what have you, trade school. Okay. The fact that this is a thing is my one. And the fact that they've now built a feeder system for girls to become women's players is mind mind boggling to me. And I'm still all for it. I'm still all for it. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, congratulations to them. They did a great job. They've done a, such a tremendous job. Um, and, and it's like it's feeding to other places. We talked to, um, you know, other players that are wanting to start that as well. So, you know, hopefully that's going to be kind of like a, an attachment type mentality where they're all going to – other states are going to kind of drive and mi- migrate to it as well. Um, if you missed anything at the Hub, go check it out. We got the 2017 Mexico team that competed at the Vancouver against the big juggernaut team USA – kind of an emotional video there that was shared to us. Uh, and it kind of relives the 2017 Mexican uh, team that was a lot of sacrifice for them to get to Vancouver. Funding, not support from the Federation, but they ultimately get to Vancouver and they get to face the big gorilla, which is Team USA, and that was their goal. And and they, they did a good job against them. So hats off to them. You get the video there. You got the ISO Journal featuring Utah Falcons' Kim Krenke. You also get the results of the 2020 XFL, XFFL Championship Phoenix, uh, Texas Phoenix Fire. Congratulations to them against the RGV Vixens. And you get the rest of the stories at the Hub, including uh, Mackenzie, Cam Newton to New England. Yeah, your girl saw that. And, you know, I can't be mad at it. I really can't. Because let, let's, let's look at it this way. Okay, Bill Belichick. Probably one of the ghosts of coaching football, period. I don't care what nobody say. I'm still, either way, not a Patriots fan, but I recognize real. I recognize game, and Bill Belichick has that. Uh, and Cam Newton can still play. Cam Newton is still an electric player. He's very estranged and very out there. But outside of his football, you know, outside of the things he does when he's not with a helmet and shoulder pads and a jersey, um, Cam Newton is still a very good player, and Bill Belichick loves long. Like I said, loves, loves longevity. Why do you think Tom Brady was there for so long? Why do you think Tom Brady literally helped him control the team for the most part? Um, I don't really see that happening with Cam, the, the Cam Newton thing. However, I do see Cam Newton obviously being the starter um, because their their backup is uh, Jared Stidham out of Auburn, mm-hmm. uh, class of twenty eight, mm-hmm. believe so. Um, and Jared Stidham's a good quarterback. 
honestly. Like he's a good quarterback. So I was I was actually pulling for him to be the Patriots starter. Um, and then you know we saw we heard you know Cam, um, you know the Panthers released Cam, and you know he'd been kind of a free agent up until last you know this past couple of days where the Patriots decided like hey I need a quarterback and I need one now and I I, I kind of like, Bill Belichick's kind of in this uh, mindset of you know, not well, he wants to try to keep the ball rolling. He wants to try to build on what they had last year. You know, whether he's got Tom Brady and Gronk or not. And I think adding Cam Newton as his starting quarterback, um, essentially to that to that tight system that he plays, is going to do is going to do the Patriots wonders. Nate, uh, safety blanket as Max putting here because you were going to go with the rookie, you're going to go with Hoyer, you're going to go oh Cam Newton. Similar to Brady in a lot of ways, just probably a lot uh, higher in stature. Still got a decent arm. You put a good line. We continue with the success that is the Patriots. Yeah, I I, I think so. I think you know. I, I was talking with a, with a friend about this. You know, like you know, like you just said, similar to Brady. You know, you're not you're not going to be working on the long ball. You, you've got short targets that are you know surefire hits. Um, not much has changed on the line, so he's coming into a system that you know he'll be comfortable with. Belichick can work with him and incorporate him very nicely into the system. So it's definitely a safety blanket, but he is making a smart a smart decision going that route. There's nothing wrong with that. I think it gives the rookie a little more time to maybe work a little bit in the background and build that up, and then setting that footing. Because I mean, like we saw, it's only a one-year contract. So that gives, um, you know, that gives rookie a lot of time to grow, build, and then step in and incorporate into that system when there's more time and it's not, you know, working around virus and working around just trying to get a team started and, you know, trying to learn on the fly while also maybe we get through a full season, maybe we don't. So it's it's right. it's a good safety blanket both in terms of team and in terms of league. So I think it's a smart decision. Mac, uh, we got Colin Kaepernick. Netflix announces six-part series documentary, sort of uh, a beginning to where he's at now, from you know the beginnings of his football career to the activism stage at this point. It's going to be on Netflix coming out soon. So, uh, what do you think? This is going to be a positive light, maybe bring him back to the NFL after this whole documentary kind of spotlights him and puts him in in some sort of perspective in terms of the fans once again. To be honest, I think this sixth part needs to be on ESPN. To be honest, that's just me. Um, as you can see, you know, um, the last the the last dance, the final dance, of the ten hour documentary on Michael Jordan was on ESPN. Uh, B Water was on ESPN. You know, those those two individuals, Bruce Lee and Michael Jordan, you know, are are highly regarded individuals in the world of sport and entertainment. And to the same respect, whether people want to agree with me or not, and I don't really care what none of y'all think because y'all can come to my inbox if you don't like it, but so it's Colin Kaepernick. And I feel like this doc, this six-part documentary should be on ESPN for that reason. And I'm not knocking Netflix because lots of people have Netflix and lots of people watch their shows and, and series on Netflix. So um, it may it may reach, you know, it may who knows, it may reach more people being on Netflix. But I think overall, 
it's going to give people a completely different perspective of what actually happened and what what is actually going on. Um, you know, in, in, in terms of Colin Kaepernick going from NFL player to activist to, you know, now we're hearing that he's being put on lists for team workouts and things of that nature. Uh, and I was listening to a, another um, podcast on, on, on ESPN, actually. Um, talk, they were talking about how, you know, it's been three or four years since Colin Kaepernick has had shoulder pads in a jersey on, you know, in the NFL as a quarterback. Um, and at that time, that, that, that time needs to come to like it really does, and I'm, you know, I'm not going to get into politics. We all know how I feel about that, so I don't I mean I don't really care how anybody else feels about that right now because that's not the conversation. The fact of the matter is, people also need to tune into this documentary. Like people are going to be out here talking about, oh, I'm open, I'm minded, and stuff. You're you're not being open minded unless you watch this documentary. Like that's really, I mean, there's really not much I can freaking say. Nate. Um... It's something maybe that'll open up people's eyes and then maybe allow them to go come back. There's like to Max's point, there are some teams that probably will be interested. I mean, he could be a great backup too if he if he allows that to happen. Um, we also have an opportunity where he could be a starter at some point, depending on his uh, the skills at this point. We don't know what his skills are anymore, you know, because of the, the long time out. But um, overall, I mean. It's something where I think Netflix thought maybe this is something that they could just bring to light, especially since we're going into this uh, 2020 season of the NFL, whether we're going to have a full season or not, and all the questions. Yeah, I I do think there's a lot of questions there. I think, um, you know, he could be a very viable backup. You know, we don't know. We we don't know where that skill set is. We don't know what the rust is built up on there. At the same time, I think this goes back to that, and I, I do think it could open up a lot of eyes. I personally, and people can hate me for this, but I think this goes back to the conversation we've had before of trying to right a wrong that shouldn't have happened in the first place. Right. I think we're giving we're giving a deeper insight. We are answering a lot of questions through this six-part series, but I think we're doing it after the fact, and I think we're trying to correct the wrong of, this is stuff we should have looked into in the first place. These are questions that should have been answered to begin with, and as such, he should have still been on a team at this point had things not if people not looked the other way and looked at it sideways and in the wrong direction. But I do think this will be a positive and help to really probably hopefully build that confidence in Kaepernick again. And I'd love to see that, and I would love to see him as a backup. I don't see him as a starter at this point, but I definitely would see him as a backup if there's not that much rust on him. Mac, um, they came out, NFL comes out with uh, maybe an approach to a six to eight rows from the 50-yard line where you isolate that in, in terms of a blackout and everything else is going to be social distancing six foot. So you think, uh, I mean, it's going to be obviously not a pack house, but you can still have six feet within, what, three seats? They're going to have an, a, a fan in the stands. So doable, you think? I mean, I think it's doable. Now, the only thing is, is whether or not people actually follow by those guidelines is going to be a different story. Um, but I think it's definitely doable. Um, I also think it's doable, you know, with some other sports too. Um, but football is definitely one of them that is doable. Like I said, the only thing is, is whether people actually follow CDC social distancing health guidelines. Who the hell knows? Yeah. Not I, but mm-hmm. it's a wonderful idea. Um, I mean, really, so, you know, 
because with with uh, the NFL more than likely starting a little bit later than we all like, unfortunately, due to this coronavirus, Miss Rona needs to get out on somewhere else because she's ruining everybody's lives out here. Miss um, Rona needs to step aside. You know, we have sports and we have lives that we're trying to get back to. However, until such a time that Ms. Rona decides that she wants to make her kind of exit to stay left, we have to abide by or make the strongest attempt to abide by social distancing rules. So, so I would say doable, right? Uh, ultimately, I think it's doable. Mm-hmm. I think it'll, it'll be fine if everybody just does their thing, like you said. All right, guys. Um, thanks for Terrence Hayward to come in, kind of spotlight the Icon Women's Football Association of Texas. Um, and also, you know, catch them on IWFA on Facebook. You get some uh, coverage there as well. Um, you guys can tune in on uh, High Heart, Spotify, and also on uh, on Apple. I really appreciate you guys doing that, subscribing to our uh, podcast. We're bumping up on Spotify and iHeart, so that's awesome. We're also on globalwomensportsradio.com. You can check our podcast there, always at the flagship Block Talk Radio. And if you guys miss out any of the action, you guys can go on IG. The Y returns for the WNFC at WNFC Football. You can also catch C live on WFLA underscore football as well. And if you're bored and want more football, you go to YouTube. Gridiron Beauties on YouTube, shared videos of amazing, talented women playing American football globally. So, Mackenzie, Nate, uh, it's going to be pretty exciting uh, coming up next couple weeks considering the IWFA is in action. Um, We'll see what the other leagues in terms of Finland comes up. But overall, looking forward to some football, even overseas or here in the States, to continue. So that's awesome. Oh, yeah. I've I've been dying for – I am – beyond ready for more football. I, I mean, I'm I'm ready for baseball, but I'm more excited for a lot of football. I'm going to be binge-watching like you wouldn't believe. I'm ready. All right. Uh, Mac, uh, Born to Play, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific, ESPN. Uh, make sure we blast it out, share it, do what we got to do. So Boston Renegades, front and center, 2018 season. So, uh, guys been a great show uh we're looking forward to the next show 328 we got a lot more guests lined up here as well but uh you know don't miss born to play don't forget it 9 p.m eastern 6 p.m pacific on espn right mac look i swear if, if i get people asking me about this documentary i'm really about to leave y'all on red take your asses to the hub and espn it's not the hard it's not that hard get educated it's become not. a fan and be married like, you know, what else do you want me to say? Like, I mean, because I already know people are going to be asking me, like, oh, what would you think of the documentary? I don't know. Did you watch it? Because you should already know how I feel. I watched it twice, three times, four times, and then five. So, so it should be great. The hub. We're going to have yes. probably the best women's football team spotlighted on a national stage. So can't, can't wait for that. So tomorrow, Wednesday, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific, Born to Play. Check it out. Go to the hub, facebook.com, or go follow Boston Renegades on Facebook, uh, Boston Renegades on IG, at Go Renegades on Twitter. Have a great night, everybody. For Nate Ward, Kenzie Brooks, Oscar Lopez, see you here next week.
is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.